welcome to Marsha's Plate. This is an interview episode where we talk to friends, family, other community members, and anybody else we want to talk to. <laughs> hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? Hey brother, hey brother, hey sister, hey sister, hey sibling, how are you? How you been doing? Just checking in today on you. Hey, what's up, y'all? I have a special guest. I've been wanting them to come on for a while now. I know that they, they are a listener. They be sharing us and be, you know, commenting about what we be talking about. And plus, I have seen her around doing amazing work in the city of Houston. So I always say, well, you know, I didn't know when it was going to be, but I knew you were going to come on the show. And when we had this T-Door event, I was like, this is a time. She's a, she's in her mode. She's in her she's in her juice, baby. And yeah, come on. Let me ask her to come be on the show. And I think that the conversation we're about to have is going to be powerful. And, you know, I want to introduce y'all to um, Joelle Espute. <laughs> she is the program she is the program director at the normal anomaly which is a queer led organization here based in houston and she also works for the mahogany project and if you have seen me posting lately don't nobody do trans awareness week like the mahogany project and one of the reasons is because they are led by the amazing vernus mcfarland who's been on the show and you know, Joelle is over there keeping it real and doing her thing when it comes to helping them get programs off the ground. So thank you, Joelle. Welcome. Thank you. Thank I am. I'm truly, truly honored. I, I just I love Marsha's play, Diamond. I love you, everything that you all do. So I'm I'm just truly honored to be here. So thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're just coming off of T Door. And so I want to hear about your experience as a Black trans woman and this week and, you know, past years when it comes to celebrating trans people, what are, let's start with the positive. What are your positive feelings when it comes to how we have shifted to having, you know, a whole week, a day where we are shift talking about and centering trans people? Um, you know, I think the positives are the growing visibility and the growing representation. Um, I've been um, with I've been working with the Mahogany Project for going on three years. So T-Door is actually my anniversary of working with the Mahogany Project. I, uh, you know, so I've been working with them for three years. And what I've been seeing is just the growing visibility um, within community, with allies. It's been beautiful the way that it's been growing. Um, the Mahogany Project and Vernon specifically, the way that they've crafted um, Black Trans Empowerment Week and built it out and really just it's it's a beautiful event and it's been beautiful from the beginning. But to see it grow over the years, it's been beautiful. And to see how organically it's 
grown um, and it hasn't, um, it's always remained true to its purpose. Um, and it's a great time. It's, it's a great time to be amongst community. Like it's not only is it great just for the representation and what it does for black trans women in the black trans community in general, but it's fun. It's fun as fuck for real. What I love about it and you know, I, I I love when shit is black and queer as fuck. <laughs> when when there is a, you know, when there isn't that pretense and kind of that kind of um, stuffiness where it's still beautiful and it's still exquisite. It's still it still has that grand feeling, mm-hmm. but it also still has that down home in the backyard. We can do, we might, you might put, if, if some spades got played, you wouldn't feel no kind of way. You okay, would, look. This is black as fuck. You wouldn't, it, it doesn't feel like I got to be stuffy. It feels like I could be real, but also, not, and that doesn't mean that it's, um, down in 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 the elevation and the luxury of the experience mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what i love about um how y'all do it over there because you know i come to a lot of events throughout the year <laughs> and there are some things that are they just feel stuffy it feels like mm, this is kind of bland this is kind of like they're trying to be you know, smoothie or whatever. But, you know, I can tell when I'm like, oh, some black, some real ass motherfucking black people led this because it feels elevated at the same time as like, you know, my I can bring my whole black self instead of, you know. And I definitely think that that's the beauty in it. And that's why I continue to to engage and do this work because I can show up as my full authentic self and there isn't any issues or qualms like it's it's encouraged it's you know I'm uplifted to really show up in all of my blackness my transness my queerness my feminist um and it's celebrated and it's truly a beautiful thing yeah so recent this week the two things that the two events that i um went to i went to the dear marsha event which was like a very sophisticated elevated talent show for mm-hmm. queer folks and it mm-hmm. was at this amazing theater i don't what's the name of the theater i can't remember is it goody it, I, it might begin. It, it starts with a G, though. I can't remember. Yeah, that. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it was really nice. Like it was just it just was a nice location. We started off with um, wine and cupcakes and we were like in a room just kind of mingling and they had people serving us wine and cupcake. It was so laid back and chill, but still classy. And then we went into um, the space where it was um, seats all around and then in the middle of the, the quote unquote stage was um, lined with roses and flowers and rose petals. And, you know, everybody was performing in the middle of that. It was very ritualistic, but very, very, very sleek and chic and just really, really cute. And we had some great performance. We had some great performers and we had some performers that suck. But we <laughs> showed them all love. <laughs> we made them confident. Confident. With- you That's suck good. with Lori. <laughs> That's good. They a little rusty. They a little. They a little rusty coming out because we in the pandemic. But you know, it gotta be some way. It gotta be balanced somewhere. <laughs> exactly. So, but we did have some really, really great artists, and I was like, oh, some of y'all is like, you know, artists, baby. And we, I can tell the only reason why y'all not famous is because y'all queer. <laughs> that part. That part. Because y'all right got there. the talent. 
So we, I went to that, and then on Sunday there was the the trans empowerment brunch, and that was gorgeous. There were pink roses all over the tables. That we had a we had a brunch with you know breakfast food, lunch food. We had um, cocktails and cupcakes again, made by the amazing um, Angela um, Felipe. I think that's how you say her name, Felipe, mm-hmm. um, and Angel, and. You know, it was it was when um, Mahogany Project gives out their awards. And last year we got an award, which was so cute. Watch this play. And that was a, I was like, oh, my God, it was the Ally Award. I didn't understand the Ally because, honey, all of us is trans. But I was like, as far as, you know, showing everybody in the community love, we do that. We do that on our show. So I was like, well, whatever, whatever award we get in. I live, especially well, from yeah, because I so I, I can speak to that. So I, I can speak to the ally piece because I was championing y'all. Um, I what what really when you are when we were talking about thinking outside the box of awarding people within our community, and I was like, well, if we're thinking about outside the box of you know, because for me it was either ally or Marsha's play person of the year um but i was like in thinking of ally like really your show it uplifts and it supports the community through advocacy through education through being unapologetic and i was like it was allyship in a not like not what people would think but i'm like you know i just i i'm such a fan of the show and it was like well y'all was gonna get an award anyway I was like, we just got to make it make sense. Let me make the story like, but y'all were getting an award last year. (laughs) And we live. (laughs) We live, we live. And so it was a new year. And so they were giving out a new batch of awards. And, you know, what I love about it, it's not just queer people that's getting awards. It's people who, you know, just support us throughout the years. Um, This year, um, Vernon's mother, who has been an advocate in Houston for decades, just helping children, helping queer children, being surrogate mothers to multiple communities across the the city of Houston. I think, you know, that kind of out the box thinking and how people show up for people in the world and, and, you know, really laying out her legacy, not only in the straight community, but in the queer community, how this one woman can step out and say, I'm going to help whoever, and I'm going to be there for whoever. And it just leaves a legacy of people out here doing community work. And I thought that was beautiful. When we think about Angel, um, her, um, you know, her always showing up, baby, every event, there's some delicious cupcakes that she's baking in the in, in, in the kitchen, baking for us to have something delicious. And then um, what was the girl um, in the orange? Um, in the blazer? Yeah, the blazer. Crystal. 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 A, another ally. I see her all the time. I, I had met her before, but I see her all the time in support. So she actually... Um when I, the first time I met you, when we sat on the panel, it was, I think it was a couple of years ago, Crystal actually, that was probably around the first time that I met her, and she spoke so highly of Marsha's place, because um, I was like, that was my first time meeting you, and she was like, oh, well, have you listened to Marsha's play, and have you done this, and I was like, I haven't, so I mean, Crystal is literally like when we think about allyship, she's somebody, she's just a, a serious ally. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and 
when I talked to her, she and she was telling me how she listens, and she was like, "This is my first time kind of talking to you." She was like, "But I've been listening to you forever, but this is my first time actually face to face meeting you, um, um, and actually coming up and talking to you." I was like, "Oh, you you should have been saying something. I should be normal, like I making me feel like I'm a fucking, uh, you know, like I ain't accessible, child. I'm accessible." <laughs> But she was so, 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 so nice. And then we had the woman of the year who mm-hmm. was... Um, Asia. What, what's her name? Asia. 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 So mm-hmm. I met Asia at one of the, the entertainment, Monica Battles. Um, I met her, Asia, at her birthday party some years back, maybe like six years ago, maybe. Mm-hmm. And... One thing of the what y'all was talking about, one thing about Asia, I don't care. She is going to show up to the motherfucking event. She is going to support. She's just one of the people. She um, uh, what I love and what we we, you know, as we were talking about persons that we wanted to really honor and uplift um we talked about doing something for asia for a while just because asia always shows up and not just for one person she shows up for community period community even if and she you know she apologizes when she can only show up for 10 minutes but it's like those 10 minutes really mean so much especially when it's it's already a struggle to get community to show up, you know, for better or for worse. It's just, it's a thing. Um, but Asia really, really shows up, not just for the club event. She shows up for the group. She shows up for discussions, you know, and, and it's, it really, it means a lot for us doing the work to just have her continued support. And we really, you know, when we think about honoring people, there are always the people that do the work that we think of like, okay, it's, it's almost like it's a given those people get honored, but it's like, what about those people in community that do show up that maybe aren't necessarily doing that frontline work, but they're showing up in support. They're showing up, you know, they're highlighting events and Asia is one of those people. Facts, 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 facts. You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101. Now listen, I know that what is basic Trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. basic for me in this life could be just the beginning for you. Rita Hester was a black trans woman who was murdered in Austin, Massachusetts on November the 28th, 1998. In response to her murder, an outpouring of grief and anger led to a candlelight vigil held on that following Friday. There was about 250 people that participated. The community struggled to see Rita's life and her identity covered respectfully by the local newspaper. One of those newspapers was the Boston Herald. And if you know anything about trans political history, you know that the Boston Herald is horrible when it comes to covering trans people. They actually outed Althea Garrison, who was the first elected political official, without her permission, back in 92. Now, 
Nowadays, Althea Garrison is Republican. She done flipped when she was running. She was like Democrat, independent, stuff like that. But nowadays, she done flipped to a Trump supporter and Republican and all that crazy mess. But in 92, she was outed by the Boston Herald. So the community, when Rita Hessner died, they just was not satisfied with how Rita was being portrayed by all of the media. Now, this is a part of Monica Roberts' legacy. Monica Roberts shifted how journalists reported on trans news. When they reported on trans people, it was a certain level of respect that Monica pushed on a national level, and it shifted how the mainstream media reported on trans murders, death, lives, all that kind of stuff. So, anyway, back to Rita Hester. Rita Hester's death in Massachusetts started the Remember Our Dead web project where they listed the names of trans people who were murdered because sometimes they weren't even covering our deaths. And then they started the Transgender Day of Remembrance, also known as TDOR. As time went on, it has turned into a week of trans celebration and remembrance and awareness. A time that we educate people, the time that we showcase what's happening in our community, the time that we showcase people who are doing great work out here. So that is what the legacy of Rita Hester's death is. Idealistically for me, I would want us to shift a little more outside of the focus of our death and shift to the focus of the legacies that we leave behind. Because it is our legacies that even when we have transitioned to another realm, we definitely are still living on through the mark that we made on this world. So when we talk about people's death, what is the mark that they made on the world? What is what, who are the people that they touched? Who are the people that care for them? Who are the people that they inspired? Who are the people that they love, that love them? What is the legacy that they left behind? That's what I want to see in the future when it comes to Transgender Day of Remembrance. Let's remember their legacies. And throughout the week of Transgender Awareness Week, let's create some legacies that bring joy throughout our lives. So we can have some memories together as community. And this has been a Trans 101. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. <laughs> so thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. 
anything else please do i have to play sarah mclaughlin and show you puppies like what do i have to do do i have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money <laughs> all righty anyway thank y'all and the patreon and paypal link is at the bottom back to the show so tell me how did you start it how did you start um, in the work. So I know you are from Los Angeles and you, like me, are a transplant to Houston. So tell me about your history within the work. Um, so the re- I, I love LA down, but LA is not black and queer and they do not like the black girls. I mean, you got to look not black to get love in LA. And I, um, as I was going through my journey, I really, um, I stand on being unapologetically me and unapologetically black and unapologetically ghetto and femme. And it's just LA is very, you can be an individual in LA, but you can't do too much. Now you can't do too much. And as a black woman of trans experience, it was so difficult to be authentically me and get support from the community. So when I was thinking about moving, um, I was like, well, where can I move? Like, what is somewhere I could really go and grow and put roots in? Um, People were saying Atlanta. People were saying New York. Um, I have family in St. Louis. um, And I had a little sister here. Um, Harvey had just happened. And she was like, you know, come move to Houston. People were telling me a lot of good things about Houston. And I, um, you know, I followed Houston club culture for a while. Um, I love the music and I just love the authentic black community here. And I was like, you know what, let me give it a try. And when I moved here, that that was the thing that I fell in love with is how black and queer it, it is in Houston. And I was like, you know, I've always, you know, being a black trans woman, you're you're doing advocacy when you step out of your door. So I'm like, you know, while I had been advocating as an individual in L.A., I really wanted to as I'm getting older, I really want to be in community and I really want to. You know, the South is a little bit behind when we're talking about liberation and we're talking about forward thinking. And I really wanted to bring that kind of free spirited thinking and just a new way of transness and a new way of being visible within the community. I wanted to bring that out. Um, And I was like, you know, I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to start from the ground. And, you know, I think that the Mahogany Project opportunity came at the right time because I was really craving to do the work and I was craving a sense of community. And lo and behold, I saw a post from Bernice and I was like, I think I'm going to check out, you know, I didn't know what Black Trans Empowerment Week was. I didn't know what the event was. I was like, I think I'm going to check out this event. And I went to the Dear Marsha event. Um, that the Mahogany Project was doing in partnership with the Truth Project. Um, I believe so. I think so. Um, But I met SOSU and I just instantly became a part of the community. And it just, it made me want to do the work more and more. Um, And that was three years ago and I've been doing the work ever since. I've been doing it when I had, you know, no job. I was doing it when I had a job that didn't pay me shit. I was doing it when I wasn't even getting paid from the works just because I really believe in community and I really believe in really just being free and all of us being free, not just me. So, um, and I, think, I think what people have to understand about the South, first of all, the South is most of the states in the South 
and particularly the cities have a large the one of the some of the largest majorities percentages of black people in America, when it go to state by state, we usually have a large percentage of black people, more than so than some of these places like up north and da da da. You know, I think DC is one of the only ones that are like, ooh, a, a large, large percentage of black. But when it comes to the south, state state by state by state, we have a huge percentage of um, black people. And so, when you come here, particularly to the cities, you are going to find a history thriving culture of black people. When I came down here, it was black as fuck. Like it was now, mind you, it's going to be segregated. Now, if you, when you go to these up North motherfucking places, it's going to be multicultural and it's going to be mixed and, you know, everybody going to be with everybody. Da, 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 da. But when you come to the South, because of the stickiness of racism and, and the history of all that shit, not that, that they're not every place else, but how it has manifested in the South, a lot of our cultures are separated. So you're going to have the black lesbian club. You're going to have the black gay male club. You're going to wear, you're going to have the place where all the trans black girls hang out. Then where all the trans white girls hang out. You're going to have all these kind of separate segregation and separations of the, the people. And because this is a huge city, those those city, those um, those sectors are going to make enough money to thrive. So like in mm -hmm. Indianapolis, we didn't have such a big community where we could have the multiple clubs of different sectors of people. We all mm -hmm. had to hang out at the same spot or nobody was going to make no money. <laughs> so we all when it comes to the club scene. So mm -hmm. here when I first came here back in 2007, Big Yo's was popping. That's when she was on Commerce. Um, Bartini's was popping. Um, the Normal Anomaly had an event on Monday on the that start that kind of popped it off, and um, it was it was like awards. It was the Mark Awards where they was giving some of the, these Houston icons and everything that they talked about. When I came to Houston. Even though I'm not a native, I remember everything because I've always been a community ass bitch. So I pay attention to who's the heavy hitters in the community to get cool with them. And everybody who had won an award, they all know me. We all cool. Javon, <laughs> Portia Paris, um, Boom Boom, mm -hmm. Chabelle Brooks. You get what I'm saying? Those people. Only one I didn't really know was the, um, the oh, Randy. I knew of him, but I I had I hadn't got to know him yet because you know he was kind of getting out of not getting out of community, but he was a little older by the time I came, and so I was he wasn't in the circles that I was in at the time. Um, but the rest of them, yes, Darius is it Darius Black, Jason Black, yeah, Jason Black. So all those people I knew, and and we had um, I had run across them, and so. Autumn Clubs, Martinis, um, Big Yo's, um, twenty twenty at the time. Um, I, I I saw. I was like, damn! Like this, I ain't never seen a city like this where it is just a a full, thriving, robust queer community where you can go to after parties. You can go to you. Know what I'm saying it just was a whole different thing. We had Splash. We had our own Black Pride. I, I didn't, you know, in Indianapolis, we didn't have all that shit. And so it was a smaller city. So we didn't have those kind of separation. We was all lumped together just as a whole LGBT community. And mm -hmm. so I knew when I came here, 
I fell in love and I knew I wasn't going to want to move. And that's why I've been here for fucking literally November the 15th is my 14 year anniversary here in Houston. Oh, okay. <laughs> 14 years. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, I, I, I fully saw the potential in what I wanted to do here and what I wanted to be a part of. And and that's why I couldn't live anywhere else because I'm like this city is black as fuck is yeah and people you know Texas gives us a bad rap but you know Houston and Dallas is Dallas are great cities to live in for black people it just really is they are they definitely yeah. are I definitely agree I see I see the potential and I see what Houston can be I mean it may it's it's gonna take work. But I, I see it. I see it. And I think living it in other places, but not having it be black and then even experiencing it on a little level here. I'm like, no, this could be so much bigger. Like it could just it can really be a thing. And that's literally what keeps me going. Mm. What is your vision for the next five years for yourself and the what for yourself and what other people what the organization you work for now are doing um, in regards to community? I think, you know, it, I feel like just within the last year, it's been a game changer. And I wouldn't have even imagined just being this far um, and doing everything that we've done. I definitely just see um, my honestly, my vision is to create safer spaces. This seems really I, Diamond, you will get it, but I don't know. People will get it. But creating safe spaces that are not femme phobic and anti femme and like that really or predatory um, shit or predatory or predatory and not even just predatory amongst the girls but predatory amongst the black queer men really creating a safe space for community to be safe to be vulnerable and to really just be in their journey and be in wherever they are and be okay and just express it how they want and not have to be a representative or be, you know, who they feel like they need to be because of whatever black queerness tells them they need to be. Um, and that could be um, creating more um, art centered spaces that aren't clubs or creating more cultured, nuanced spaces, um, creating different things for community, different events, different types of events, um, and just, just continuing to uplift and bring visibility to community um i don't know what that looks like because i feel like it's such a it's it's such a a, a abstract thing and i'm so open because i don't necessarily want to say anything concrete because i don't know it could it could definitely change but i definitely see that i just want to continue because any space that i go into nine times out of ten it's not them it's 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 very femphobic. It's not friendly. They don't have the girls there. So I'm like, okay, well, y'all don't have no choice but to accept me. And y'all gonna, it's gonna have to be safe. So y'all, we're either gonna do this the easy way or the hard way. And like, even just carving out those spaces in this little bit of time, in the little space that I've carved out, I just want to continue to expand it. Because I really, what I've seen in LA is it is possible to have these pan polysexual free straight friendly queer just these these great spaces but in LA it wasn't black it wasn't queer as fuck and I really that's what I really see in Houston just having these spaces where 
it's nothing to go in in and be safe. And you could be with the butch queens. You could be with the straights. You could be with the girls. You could be with anybody. You could be with cross dressers, trend, like, you know, any anybody. And it's cool. Like, you know, that's really my ultimate goal. Okay. So at the brunch, you um you came in a little late, but you gave a um you gave like a a poetic kind of like speech. And there were some points that you hit that um I kind of wanted us to discuss. So we are we got the positive stuff. So let's talk <laughs> about some of the negative stuff that we see when it comes to um community and things that we need to fix and things that we need to pay attention to that are problems. And you pointed out some of those things. Tell me about them. Um, so, and I, I want to preface it to say, um, it's interesting because I, I didn't plan to do that speech. I wrote it as I was getting dressed because I was always, I was already running late and I wasn't feeling the event. I just, I was, I was burnt out. I was completely burnt out. Um, I was burnt out just on community. I was just burnt out. And I really, usually I don't talk about my personal feelings, but I really wanted to use this time since I was amongst community and it was a safe space to really say how I felt. Um, and, you know, one of the things, and this has been an ongoing as I'm doing the work, um, both at my job and outside of my job, one of the things that I'm constantly having to struggle with is doing the work and liberating a black queer community that for that they're they're very femme phobic i mean they are very you know very they have very deep-rooted trans misogynoir and having to deal with that when i'm not from the south and i don't i don't see myself as showing up how community shows up so, you know, I doing in, in doing the work, I'm definitely being confronted with dealing with black, the black queer community and not necessarily showing up how they want. Or, you know, on the flip side, now that I've been doing the work and now I have gained a little, I don't even want to say power, but I'll just say power in this in the scope of this conversation. But community looking at me different and now they're checking for me when they weren't checking for me before um or they're checking for me because i'm linked to certain queer men they're not checking for me because of the work that i do um and it's a constant struggle because i i hate toxic masculinity i'm i'm very um i i just i fight against it it's been it's been an ongoing thing and it's something that i've i always have an issue with and i i want to talk about and address but it's kind of the elephant in the room that the community just does not address. They just, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's like tradition. It's, 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 it is what it is. So um, it's talks that we have at work constantly. Um, and I feel like as I'm moving through community and doing the work more and more, it's a conversation that I want to open up and not just for myself, but for just the girls in general and just community in general. Um, Cause it doesn't just affect us. It affects all of us. Just this, the, the stigma of being femme and just being able to express how you are and just in an authentic sense. Um, but even that, and just also the pressure to show up and present um, a lot of times the, the 
harshest criticism and the harshest feedback that I've gotten um, about my appearance um, has has been from Black queer persons, but it's always been from other Black trans women. Always. Um, like um, uh, so I was actually at an event for the Mahogany Project. I spoke on a panel and a friend of a friend came up to me and she said, and I hadn't met her before, but she said, you know what? She, uh, you know, she was like, you are going to be a bad bitch someday. You know, if you just get a little bit of this done and a little bit of that and, you know, get, you know, get some titties. And I was like, okay. I, and, and it is just, and it was, and I, we were in mixed company. So I was like, okay. And I was like, well, that's, I thank you for that. But, you know, I'm kind of doing my thing and I, but, you know, and I appreciate that. And then, you know, I, and then we got the talking and, she had, and I'm not trying to even, you know, not even trying to be tip for tat, but she had just started her journey and already had work done. And I'm talking about six months in. And not to say that there is a right way to do the journey, but I've been, I've been trans for 15 plus years. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my thing. How I'm doing it. And I don't, you know, I don't knock how anybody does their journey, but you know, and that's not the first time that a, a woman has said that to me about my appearance, right. about how, how I can be if I do something. Um, and I think it's interesting. And I think, you know, what we can be so much farther as a community, but we are still subscribing to these cis white head patriarchal standards like we are still subscribing to the binary and it just it you know it sunday sunday i was on a good one and y'all called me on a, on a good day because i was just like i just want to let it out all of that frustration and so i thought that that was i thought it moved me it, it made me feel like there's an honesty, there's a vulnerability, there's an honesty to it because there, there is a way that you show up in, like you said, bitch, my motherfucking, I may not, on to your eyes, I may look like my transition is new because I haven't got all these markers that you probably in your mind, these check boxes, oh, do she got titties? Do she, is she on moans? Is she da 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 da? Is her hair this long? Is it, is she, is she, is her makeup like this? And da 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 I might not have all these boxes checked, but like, but bitch, I may look young in my transition or early in my transition, you, but bitch, I'm 15 years in, probably longer than you, bitch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, my experience, my, my my look may not be up to your standards, but I, I look good to me. I feel good to me. And so, you know, but I still have lived this life long enough to, to have the experiences of the, the type of woman that I am, probably more than you, while you're trying to judge me on my looks. And so I have seen this a lot. Um, I have seen this in, ex, you know, watching it. Um, watching it play out. I've never been the type of person who had the guts to come up to somebody and say, um, yo, whatever you got going on, I, that's not ever been me. I'm not, oh, that, that would make me uncomfortable to do that. Now, if you come ask me, <laughs> you got, that's a whole different scenario because you're asking me for my advice and my opinion. But, 
I feel like there's so now 2021, there's so much information out here to get things done, to do this. Da, da, da. If a person doesn't have them done, it's by choice, you know, mm-hmm. unless we're including like monetary stuff. But, um, you know, or, or they know the pathway to get there. And mm-hmm. so it would be kind of pretentious of me or, you know, or arrogant to for me to think that. If this woman don't got no breast and she's in in community, being community, you know, at least if they knew you, you've been in at least three years. You think she don't know how to get implants if she want to get them? You think she don't know how to, you know, get on, do whatever. She knows how to do that. So clearly, obviously, however she wants to present is however she wants to present. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there is an investment in. Um, in this is the way that we are supposed to present as women. And usually that standard is to be as possible as as you can possibly be. And that kind of pressure leads to a crazy motherfucker like me at 18 going to let some bitch pump her in the face with some bullshit. Pump me in the titties with some bullshit because I want to be this passable person that leads to, um, you know, people going through these extreme routes to try to get to this level of perfection. And it doesn't work. It doesn't make us feel um, it doesn't make us feel good in regards to you telling you telling me this or that pressure um, leading to that. And, you know, that's the same thing with women, cisgender Mm -hmm. women, you know, I my because my journey I wasn't around a lot of trans women I was around a lot of cis women I was around a lot of white cis women um, my best friends are black but I was around a lot of white cis women and white cis women they they don't care how they look and the men don't care how they look they be looking any kind of way and I and but cis women look any kind of way so I'm just like oh okay so I don't I don't have to be super hyper femme to to embrace my womanhood and it was a very it took it took me it's a it's a specific type of cis woman that cares about their look because you know you got the ones that get in pledge you got the ones that get pumped you got the ones that want to be hyper femme but there is a particular type of cis woman that is you know, more homely, more plain, particularly if you come in the South. Now, when you get to New York and you get to, um, you know, L.A., there are those type of girls that are like extremely hyper. They get, you know, them Kim Kardashians, them, you know what I'm saying, them people that live in these bigger cities that have access and money to get these surgeries, to get their nose done, to get, you know, this sucked out, this tucked here, da, 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 They care, but then there's, but there is a total opposite of that where, you know, the homely girl that don't barely wear makeup, don't want to, you know, they just kind of just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's different types of one, but yes, we definitely are all. And I love, and I, you know, and I think on one, there was a a, a, a episode a couple of weeks ago, maybe it might have been a little longer, but on Marsha's Play, where, where you all were talking about just the different types of representation of the girls, like, because it was about Sydney Starr and about her representation and you have made the comment like I don't have no problem with her representation I just want more representation and that's how I feel like I I love the girls period but you know I'm I've always been like I'm gonna be authentic to me and I think that there is value in just as there is many infinite types of representation for cis women I believe that to be true for 
up for the girls. Now, you know, some representation may not be my tea, but I, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I'm here for it. Um, and I think that just this pressure in the South to show up and just, if you don't show up a certain way, how the community can make you almost invisible if you don't have a sort of collateral that they deem like, okay, it doesn't matter because you have something that is valuable. But um, it's it's a lot. It's definitely, it's a lot. And, you know, I um, I spoke about just being like, you know, being the gay, the butch queens and the gay boys, you know, they're, they're hag, they're toy, you know, they Barbie. And it's just like, you know, I I was just I I really was you know speaking to that and just overall just speaking to the constant we just we leave our we walk out the door and we are instantly having to fight a thousand battles and a lot of times the community that we support that we are mothering and uplifting and you know taking care of they they don't have our back in the battles or you know they don't they don't think of the battles as as serious as they really are and then uh, as far as like the butch queen and being their hag and their barbie particularly in the south and in the work we are coming from an age where, first of all, the, the funding is very, very scarce in the South. All the money goes to the East Coast and the West Coast, Northeast and West Coast, all together, L.A., da, 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 da. In the South, we don't get a lot of the funding. Mm-hmm. And so there is a shift happening where we're getting a little bit of funding and there's a shift happening where we're shifting from HIV hasn't been cured, but we have come a long way with HIV when it comes to, you know, getting on PrEP and suppressing people who are going around undetectable, also not being able to spread it. We're in a whole different era than we were in the 90s when it comes to HIV. So funding and money with um, nonprofit stuff, a lot of that funding was in HIV work, and that was spearheaded by queer men Mm -hmm. and so now that gay marriage is passed aids is kind of aids and hiv is kind of like um you know not really that much of hot button topics anymore it kind of has died down when it comes to the funding now trans issues are oh my god we got to get this trans coin so these queer male-led organizations are scrambling to do trans programming, but they also are scrambling to decenter themselves. And, you know, so sometimes you'll see these events where they'll use the money. This is supposed to be a trans event. And honey, we, we celebrate a lot of butch queens or mm-hmm. um, you, you have one or two people on the list as trans, but then it's butch queens that you're using this money to celebrate. And so we got to make sure that we are learning to make sure that if you're getting funding for trans people, that is going towards trans um, liberation. And because I, I've see, I'm seeing that a lot in the work that we see around, around the, excuse me, around the country, but, but I'm more invested in the South because I live in the South. And so I'm seeing that kind of shift happening where we got where we're seeing people kind of scrambling for funds. Everybody's operating from a place of scarcity, trying to get um, trying to get um, funds. And so they're trying to open up all these programs for trans people writing the grants that they need to write to try to get these trans funds. But 
<laughs> they're not trusting in trans leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have us down doing the research, doing the um, outreach, um, doing the stuff on the ground levels, but they're not giving us these big salaries. They're not giving us these um, these big positions. And the girls who are in the positions of like ED, like myself, um, you know, a couple of EDs around the country, we are fucking, we got to tap dance. We got to do so much shit that other motherfuckers just do not have to do just to get some funny to do what we need to do. To make it happen. It's very, very difficult out here for trans-led organizations. And so I totally understand what you're saying when it comes to, you know, you got to be on side of somebody to get any kind of recognition. That's what it feels like. It definitely feels like that. It definitely it um, because I mean, even me doing, I've been doing the work and I've been behind the scenes doing it, but I've been doing the work for a couple of years and even just because of where I work and because of who my boss is, you know, now people are checking for me. And I don't care if people check for me or not because I'm just doing the work and I'm minding my business. I'm too old for that. But um, it just it's interesting the shift and how people, you know, if this was last year, you didn't care what I was doing, even though I was still doing the same work and I was still doing the same type of work. But now, you know, that I may have a little bit of social capital in terms of community, um, now it's a different story. Um, And I think it's interesting because even just I seeing how problematic just things are within the community, it it, you know, it doesn't sit right with me. And I'm always somebody that when I, I like to call a thing a thing, um, but I'm seeing that, you know, as I move through community, can't always do that because it makes it a little more difficult to do the work. But definitely, like, I see just how problematic things are. Um, and I think a lot of it is because people, the customs and the ways haven't been challenged. Like, people just go with, go with whatever. Which which baffles me. Yeah. And then leave it, especially here in Houston, um, kind of picking up the torch for the late great Monica Roberts. It's it's it amazes me how she been doing this work in this city for so long. And then now that she has passed away, they, you know, they, you know, they haven't trans week that you know what I'm saying they haven't officially let, you know, the mayor is proclamating these things and, and, you know, giving her a particular day. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's like, God, I wish I would have done this stuff while she was alive. And, you know, it just feels real performative. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel as good as it would if, if, if things were happening like this, you know, even, you know, 15, uh, five, not 15, five years ago when, you know, Anise Parker was fucking, um, you know, giving us protections with the, with the hero ordinance when she was actually doing something for the city that protected us, that protected us, protected us in public accommodations. And then why, where was this kind of support then? Because you know what? gay marriage hadn't passed you know they, they still had that mind on other things it wasn't until that shit passed but now the trans is the new thing trans is the new the new oh we gotta and it, it's not i'm complaining about it it just feels like it just feels extra fucking performative 
It just feels inauthentic. And I actually, um, I've had people say to me, people that, you know, claim that they were close to Monica, but, you know, because I'm a black trans woman. So, of course, they, you know, they feel like they could just let their, you know, open their heartstrings to me. But they were saying, God, I don't even know, like, what there is to do in the trans community now that Monica's passed. And I'm like, really? Like, really? (laughs) (laughs) What? Really? Like, and I'm just like, and they, you know, and they are thanking me for helping God. And I'm just like, that's interesting. Like, first of all, you claim to be so close to Monica. And yet, like you say, like, you don't know what's going on within the trans community now that she's passed. And I've heard that more than once. And even just, I love the visibility that we're we're continuing to get with Black Trans Empowerment Week, but it's like all of you all that claim to be allies of the community and claim to love Monica, none of y'all were none of y'all were around for Trans Awareness Week. None of y'all were out at the events or out at Black Trans Empowerment Week. Like I saw a handful of y'all, you know, outside of us that are actually in community. So I think that it's definitely performative. It's like, yeah, we're getting the proclamations and we're, you know, y'all are making the cute posts, but y'all aren't showing up. Y'all ain't giving us the money. You know, like, where is that? Like, where is that? Wait, 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 wait. I have been doing a GoFundMe for about a couple of months now for exactly what you described earlier, as far as having a a creative space that's safe for us. I literally have had a GoFundMe going for the longest and <laughs> for, and it's still going to come, but you know, I just got to go through fucking tap dancing for these fucking white people to get it. And when it shouldn't be like that, it should be motherfucking supporting. It should, you get what I'm saying? But I got to tap mm-hmm. dance and you know, I got to write these grants and shuck and jive and da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, me and condoms and testing, like yeah. that we don't care about that. We care about some other stuff, but it's it's definitely been interesting. And I think that, you know, reflecting on on the week and just talking to, you know, talking to allies that did show up and, you know, hearing them talk about it and, you know, them be so angry, you know, about, you know, well, where was everybody else at and where were the other allies? And I'm like, this is how it always is. Like, you think <laughs> you mad, but we used to. I mean, it, this is even even the, the visibility this time around. Like, it, this year has been great. But I'm like, people don't show up. Like, just Monica, you know, got re- may she rest in power. But, you know, people using Monica, all these allies and all these persons using Monica's name and using, you know, oh, we got to, you know, protect trans lives and Black trans lives matter. They didn't show up. I mean, they they make a post in, in November and then they say some stuff, cute stuff in June. And that's that's the extent. Like, you know, and I think that it really um, it's time to both call out and call in. But, you know, and and let I think because us both as a black community and just the black queer community, we don't talk about shit like we don't talk about the fucked up shit. Um, you know, and a lot of times it's because we too busy living the fucked up shit that we don't even have the time and the space to even talk about it. Um, Sunday was really essentially about 
just being open about just those fucked up feelings about this is the fucked up shit that we go through. Honestly, like this is this is the real. I think that so so much of the time we're too busy living the fucked up shit that we don't we don't go through it. Like we're not able to voice it. And Sunday was really about voicing it. And I I didn't know what I was gonna write because I literally was writing it as I was getting dressed and doing my makeup, and I didn't even read through it or proofread it or anything. And when I said it, like I didn't even realize who was in the room. Like I just I was I just said it. I saw you, Diamond. I saw my work partner, Jordan. I saw maybe one other person and that was it. I didn't see nobody else. And I really just, I had to get it out. And then I had to dip because as I was getting it out, it was just, I was feeling. And I just think that for too long, like we, we just suck it up. We just take it or we're too busy living it. And like, we have to start calling it out and holding our allies, holding community accountable. Um, to really get somewhere and to really get some change because I think we just, as a community, we just let stuff go because it's like, well, that's just the way it is. So, you know, we're not gonna say nothing because, you know, it's no point. Tell me how important it is for you to show up as an unapologetic black girl. And, and what I mean by an unapologetic black girl is, an unapologetic, hood, per- perceived as ghetto. You got the nails. You gonna have the big hooves. All the stuff that that people say is not the respectable kind of girl. Um, the kind of girl that um, people can say aren't educated enough, aren't refined enough, aren't whatever, whatever enough. Tell me why is it so important for you to not conform to that? and show up as your authentic self, how the black girl that you want to show up as? Um, for me, um, what I, I started transitioning, I think at 19, 18, 19. And the reason that it even took me that long was because I didn't see anybody that looked like me. I didn't see anybody that I identified with. The first person that I saw that I kind of identified with was Amaya Scott. And I was like, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. But I, you know, I don't, I don't know what I am going to be. And I think that um, in living in LA, the one thing that I got to experience was a safe space where you could essentially show up however you want it, regardless. You could show up, you can make mistakes, you could show up, you know, one way and then the next day show up another and it gave me kind of the freedom to play with my identity play with my expression um and so working in the fashion industry i was able to go to work however um i could go to work in nikes and you know a baseball cap and some you know coochie cutter shorts i was in a white straight cis head i was in a room full of white cis head me And, you know, I would have them all invalidate me, tell me, you know, I was ghetto. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I wasn't worth shit. You know, I couldn't do my job. And I didn't I didn't have community there. All I had was myself. And I had to keep going because I didn't have a choice. Um, I had to keep going for 
the hood black girls that couldn't even get to the boardroom for the hood black girls that were on the ground level and the factory workers and everybody i had to keep going because i don't see myself in the boardroom i always see myself as that hood black girl i just feel like i just got the opportunity but i always have have always had my roots in i'm just a round the way girl i'm just a hood girl and for me um being authentically me and showing up how I feel. Um, I do it for the 15 year old gender queer boy inside who didn't have the language and couldn't show up how they wanted to show up. Um, and I do it because, you know, I know that somewhere there's a girl who is a little banshee, is a little hood, you know, she doesn't feel confident rocking, you know, sweats and a crop top and some Nikes and some nails, you know, because that's not what she's taught that you're supposed to be when you're a femme girl. Um, and for me, I, I want to being authentic is shaking shit up and just having fun with identity. I think that it's, it's supposed to be fun. And I feel like being authentically me helps in not just personal liberation, but the liberation of community. Cause I want to be able to give license to everybody else to be authentically them. I don't, you know, I want to, me showing up, you know, if it's an event and I want to show up or just anything, if I want to show up in some Nikes and some sweats and a crop top looking like 2003 Sierra, that's what I'm going to do. Or like, you know, I've always kept my nails. I've always kept my hoops because that's me. You're going to always get me um, whether you like it or not. And I've always held that belief that what's for me is going to be for me, regardless of how I show up and how I present. And if, if, if I have to compromise myself or my how I show up, I can't do it. Like, and I won't do it. And if that means I have to lose on something, then I lose or it's not a loss. But just showing up for me, I show up for myself because, you know, that 15 year old inside who couldn't show up as himself, who couldn't, you know, wear the femme clothes that they wanted to, who couldn't wear the nails, who couldn't, you know, wear the makeup. Like, that's, honestly, that's who I show up for every day. Yeah, I, I don't feel like my style is real bangy. You know, I my style, I don't, I want to say it's conservative either. I don't know. I, I have a, I, I don't have a bangy style, but I have a, um, I do have a bangy personality sometimes. And, and so, you know, I think that my personality is where I'm more, um, where I'm more like, I'm going to show up. I'm not going to cold switch. I'm not going to try to, uh, try to talk different. I'm going to talk however I was raised to talk. It's really that, that I, that I, um, that I think I have, that I'm bucking up the system with bucking against the system with like when I'm on panels, you're not going to get a person that doesn't cuss. You're not going to get a person that doesn't um, use slang. You're not going to get a person that's going to be trying to use this tone of voice that is more respectable. 
respectable. I'm going to I'm going to speak exactly. Anytime you see me on a fucking panel, you're going to hear me the same way you hear me on Marsha's plate, the same way you hear me if we're sitting talking about something serious at a dinner table, the same wherever you hear me, how I talk to my brother, how I talk to every only time I'm going to change my voice is probably like if I'm in the company and comfort of a man, he might get a little <laughs> motherfucking a little tenderness, a little bit. I might be giving him a little you know, soften, demure. But when, when it's my regular self and I'm at work and I'm, you know, and I'm in community, I'm not going to be any different. I'm just, I'm not going to try to change my voice, change how I talk. I'm going to, I'm going to just be me. And I'm, and I can't, and I don't want to show up in any kind of way. So I don't feel like I, my style in my gender expression is quite you know, ghetto, I think it's very, you know, auntie, fashionable auntie, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? But I don't, I don't think it's like ghetto in that way, but in this, but I have heard that my personality can be ghetto in some ways. And I don't try to change that. I want to, I want to be that. I want you to know I'm a black girl from the hood. I'm, I'm a black girl who didn't grow up going to these town. Well, in where I'm from, they were township schools, these kind of like, you know, where people were called white schools. this, you know, where it was predominantly white people and it was a certain way. And, and the black people from those schools kind of gave you that kind of whitewash kind of, um, you know, I was only around white people growing up. So I had to act like this. Uh, um, but I also knew how to talk. I knew how to, you know, I knew how to speak proper English, even within my ghetto ass voice. I knew how to fucking um, mass quote unquote master the fucking white man's language. I knew how to talk when I go into an interview. I know how to talk and I know how to talk in it without switching up. I can be me and still sell myself and sell my personality. I learned a way to do that without switching my tone. And you know what I'm saying? Where back in the day, you know, when I was younger, I used to think that I had to do that. But I had an aunt child. I had an aunt who would do it so often that it got on my fucking nerves. Like, it don't matter where we was. We could be pumping gas. We could be at Walmart. We could be it could be just random people. When she was talking to white people, her fucking tone, she would put on her white woman telephone voice, baby. <laughs> Look, I know. <laughs> and it was an, and it annoyed me. And I was like, is that how black folks sound when they do that? And it you it would annoy me. So I, I this is probably when I was like 17 or 18. And she still does it. And she puts on this Southern Belle white woman voice. And it is she only do it around white people. And she comes, she comes from rural Mississippi. So I you know what I'm saying? I understand. And she's of a certain age, she's like 55. And she, you know, she's in her mid fifties. And so she, you know, she come from a different era where that was, you know, that may have been a thing, but I knew at 18, 17, 18, when we were hanging around each other, I don't want to be that. Fuck these white people. <laughs> I don't want to be that. And I want to talk how I want to talk. Now that don't mean I'm going to be, you know, I, I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to speak how I want to speak, but I'm going to also feel like I'm talking regular. I don't you ain't never going to be like, oh, you know, because especially like those kind of bougie ass black folks, they'd be like, oh, so I'm acting white because um, I'm speaking proper English. No, that's not what the fuck we talking about. You know what the <laughs> fuck we mean when we say you talking white. Motherfucker, you know what the fuck we mean. <laughs> Stop acting like like you don't know what the fuck we talking about. Um, because I can speak regular English, 
without using any kind of slang or any kind of AAVE, I can speak and still have that tone of voice as a black person. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what the fuck you're doing. You know what you, you know what the fuck you're doing. So, so it, it, I didn't want to be that person. I wanted to make sure that I'm coming to the table as my authentic self. And I'm going to always try to come to the table as my authentic self because it's not only just important that somebody I can be a representation for somebody who is younger, but also for me, it makes me feel better when I can come into the space as my full self. That is liberating. Our ancestors, I'm listening, I'm reading a book um, by Diane Carroll, and she she's talking about growing up and how their whole life was revolved around being a certain type of prim and her whole life, prim and proper girl. Did it give her opportunities in the time? Absolutely. She was a fucking refined black, pretty black girl. So they were like, oh, let's throw opportunities at her because she is this exceptional black girl who knew how to dress, who knew how to who knew that, who went to etiquette school and charm school. So they gave her these opportunities and she wouldn't have had them if she didn't go through those things. So yes, there was a time when they were forced to kind of follow these rules to get out of the holes of racism, but we are in a different time now. And if I have the choice to show up, even as a, even as a marker that this is where black people are now, we can show up like this. And that makes me feel good. That makes me feel good in in the eyes to me, in my eyes of my ancestors. Like, this is how I can show up now. And I I ain't got to be prim and proper like the motherfuckers. Like, they had to force y'all to be back in the day. So it's not just about being an example. It's also for me. I feel good. This is this is a act. This shows me where my liberation has come. Mm -hmm. I can be my authentic self right now. I completely agree. I completely agree. That's why. I I like to dress very sexual because <laughs> hey I I look I as long as I have this body I'm gonna show it as long as I have this stomach this ass I'm gonna show I'm gonna show it and definitely I'm gonna show it like I'm gonna show it at a meeting I'm gonna show it on a panel I'm gonna be you know a U of H you're gonna ask me to speak baby I'm gonna wear a bra top like and you're, I'm gonna make sure that you see me in a bra top and you know and that's because you know what you this is you already know if you if Joel is coming this is what you're gonna get and if you didn't know then hey this might be the only chance I got but hey that's that's it's gonna be what it's gonna be because I just for me like if it's one thing, I'm going to show this ass and I'm going to show this stomach because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I I feel like, why, why, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Like, why the hell not? That is what I'm talking about. Well, Joelle, I want to thank you for joining me. I have, I'm, I, I'm, I, uh, you definitely got to come back. You definitely got to um, be a guest again. Um, I am so inspired when I see the work that you're doing in the city. Um, I try to, when I, you know, when my schedule allows me, I try to show up to everything that y'all do. It is, it, it is just a joy to be a part of the Houston community. And I'm so glad that you are part of that fabric with me. And I appreciate you for always supporting Marsha's Play. I appreciate your work. I appreciate you, how you show up unapologetically. And I want you to continue to do that. And I love you. Thank you. Thank you. That means so much. I I love, I respect you, Diamond. I'm just, I'm happy to be a part of 
this community. I'm happy to be in community with you. It's just, it's, it's a beautiful time. It's just, it's a beautiful time. And it's only going to get even more beautiful. So I'm, I'm happy and thankful. Tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, um, Joel Bay Zori. You can find me so on Instagram. I'm your man's first choice. Hey, I love that name. <laughs> it, it, I'm definitely your man's first choice, you know, or or woman or whatever. I mean, they, them, sibling, daddy. Um, but on Instagram, I'm your man's first choice. Twitter, I'm your man's first choice. Um, I you can find me at the normal anomaly. Um I run their social media so you can find me through them. Um, I also work with the Mahogany Project. You can literally find me in community if you're looking for me. Um, but yeah, you can find me on social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or through the Normal Anomaly or the Mahogany Project. Perfect. And I will have all of those links down in the bottom. Make sure y'all go support. Let her know where y'all found her here at Marsha's Plate. And we will see y'all next week. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Today, when this comes out, it is Thanksgiving. So y'all have a wonderful time with your family. Y'all have a wonderful time. And make sure the motherfuckers ain't misgendering you and making you feel uncomfortable. And if they are, leave the motherfuckers. Leave the house. Don't fuck up. Take your plates of food with you when you leave. Take Thank you a couple of plates. <laughs> so, yes, make sure that you are being loved on and you are feeling comfortable. Even if you are with your family, you do not settle for that. You can leave. <laughs> so, yes, yes, yes. And I hope if you taking the time to listen to this, you um, you at least feel a little bit of love between me and Joelle. And, you know, make sure y'all come back next week. Thank you for joining us. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right. Don't you worry about a thing. Baby, it's going to be all right.